Alaska is a writer's dream location. Multiple cultures, breathtaking wilderness across a vast geographic range, and no end to colorful characters that inspire. Science, culture, fisheries, bears, politics, the rapidly changing climate, and then there's fiction. What's happening in the Alaska writer scene today, and what new Alaska books should you know about? We're talking with authors, including the state's new writer laureate, and taking reading suggestions today on Talk of Alaska. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. Alaska USA has been on a journey with Alaskans since their first member account was opened in 1948. They'll be with you every step of the way through the challenges of today and the hopes of tomorrow. AlaskaUSA.org. This message sponsored by Alaska USA. Prescription opioids can be addictive and dangerous, especially when not used as prescribed. If you or someone you know is struggling with prescription opioids, there is hope. Recovery is possible. To hear real stories of recovery or for resources to begin the journey to healing, visit opioids.alaska.gov or contact your local health provider. This message sponsored by Alaska's Department of Health and Social Services and the Alaska Native Tribal Health Consortium. The views expressed on this program are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Hello, it's Talk of Alaska. I'm Lori Townsend. It's nearly summer vacation time, and for many busy people, their time off is when they can spend long, leisurely stretches of time reading. Today, we've got three Alaskan authors who all have multiple books to their credit, and they offer a wide range of styles that would ensure you had plenty of great reading entertainment over the summer if you looked no further. But there is an extraordinary number of Alaska authors writing prolifically in in pretty much any genre you can imagine, so there's plenty to satisfy any reader's taste. It's a great, great pleasure to introduce our guest today, starting with the state's newly minted writer laureate. I'm so excited I can't even speak. I feel like we kind of need a drum roll here, but I don't have a drum, so Haynes author Heather Lendy, congratulations, and thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks, Lori. It's I. I feel like I'm in the company of rock stars, <laughs> so maybe my drum is just a little one <laughs> between Dana and Mark. But um, it's it's great to be talking with you again. I love how humble authors are. Uh, that's fantastic because um, you know Heather, you have a lot to feel very proud of, and as do our other guests. And we're going to talk a lot about that. We'll also talk more about what being the laureate, the writer laureate, means. But let's bring in our other guests now. Dana Stabenow is a best-selling author living in Homer. Dana has written, I think if my math is correct, 29 novels in three different series. Dana, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, and I'm thrilled to be on the show with Heather. It's one of my favorite Alaskan authors. All right. Well, fantastic. Uh, we're all in good company then because all three of you are some of my favorite authors. And Mark Cameron is another best-selling author living in Eagle River. Mark writes two of his own series. His most recent is Alaska-based, and he also writes the Tom Clancy, Jack Ryan books. We'll learn more about that and the work of the other authors today. Mark, thanks for being here. Hey, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Lori. It's a pretty big honor for me to appear with these two uh, fine authors. Yep, um, we're in. Uh, we've got some 
great, uh, accomplished, skilled writers on with us today. So we hope that you'll join in the conversation. You can join us. Do you put a list together for your summer reading plan? Do you look for Alaska authors when you're making book buying decisions? And do you have a question for one of the writers we have with us today? You can call us statewide at 1-800-478-8255. That's 1-800-478-8255. If you're in Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. 550-8422. You can also email us talk at alaskapublic.org. Heather, again, congratulations on being selected as the Alaska Writer Laureate for 2021 through 2023. What can you tell us about the selection process and what this position means? What will you be doing over the next two years in this role? Well, I don't really know a whole lot about the selection process, actually. I, was, I, I knew I'd been nominated a few years ago, and there was a bit of a kerfluffle with the the State Council on the Arts, and I think probably the most important thing about my uh, nomination and having a, a writer laureate is that, that Alaska has one again, <laughs> because we're really a, a state full of writers, and I think it's an important position. So I'm happy to be um, filling it for the next two years and continuing the, the lineage of um, uh, of having a, a poet or a writer laureate for Alaska. So um, that's what I know about that. In terms of what I do for the next two years, uh, I I'm hoping to travel around the state or Zoom around the state or a little bit of both probably uh, as we open up and um, uh, talk about writing and writers and literacy and um, particularly reading. So this is a, um, a, a good start to that. I think we, we writers need readers and, and encouraging that. But I'll also be uh, meeting with the State Council on the Arts and some folks from the Humanities Forum and some other uh, writers, even talking to past laureates to, to, to build on what they've been doing and see what's most needed right now in terms of what I can do. Was Ernestine Hayes the last writer laureate? Because when I looked at the website today, I didn't see anyone beyond her, so it seemed like there was a gap. Yes, um, uh, Ernestine, I, I just sort of just kept calling her that. As, I guess her, her tenure officially ended in 2018, but in my mind, Ernestine will always be the writer laureate. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, when her tenure ended, there, there wasn't a, a new appointment made, and then the, the Arts Council uh, was kind of eliminated a little bit, and then, and then it came back. And so there's been a, a, a gap in, in the program, and now it's... Um, back again and, and I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah, so am I. I'm very happy that it's restarted. Heather, in April of 2020, you recorded yourself at home reading Take Good Care of the Gardens and the Dogs. This was at the front end of the pandemic. Tell us about this and why you decided to do it. Well, gosh, I, I didn't even know you knew that. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I was at home and um, feeling like we all were going back to the initial opening of, you know, the closing of our lives and the changes that we've been through. And uh, I was, I was kind of um, anxious and upset, and I wanted to do something from home that would both help me, keep me connected, but also um, maybe help other people. And, and Take Good Care of the Garden and the Dogs is my book about, you know, my really bad April when I got run over by a truck, and then the next April when my mother died, and how um, that time changed me, and, and, in, and the lessons kind of that I learned from that, in many ways it had to do with, um, you know, bad stuff happening, and yet 
uh, community, Alaska as a place, certainly um, friends and family uh, here in Haines, you know, saved my life. And um, and how that, uh, basically that um, that event and that time uh, really made me who I, I am, uh, which, um, and I thought it might help other people going through uh, the, the, the challenges of the pandemic time. So I just decided just to, I'm not really a, a video star or anything, and I had this little iPad and, um, uh, you know, a tripod thing and a little lavalier mic that came from Hospice of Haines, which I'm a, a volunteer and a board member of. We, we record uh, conversations with our elders, and so I borrowed the kit, and, and I set it up in my kitchen and just tried to read a chapter a day. And it turned out it, it helped a lot of people. I had an emergency room nurse in, in New York City that um, would listen to them every night when she came home. And, you know, if, if that's all it did, then it's worth it. Oh, that that's such a beautiful story. And I've, I found them really just so relaxing. And, and, you know, you just were, it was clear that you weren't scripted, You, which is always difficult for me. But um, you were just having this wonderful conversation as people were dropping by to watch and, and then reading from your book. Um, so have you done other readings in this manner, or is this something new? Um, do you have a YouTube channel that you post readings to? <laughs> no, I, I haven't done anything like that. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had to do a few little ones, you know, for, for book promotion things, um, like a minute long. But uh, n- no, I'm, I'm, I, I don't really uh, go out there that much. But this seemed to be... Um, something that I could do during this that time. And I was also inspired by Mary Chapin Carpenter. Um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of country music, and she was doing these house concerts from, from her home in, I think it's Maryland or North Carolina, and her dog looks just like my dog. And I thought, well, if Mary Chapin Carpenter can stand in the kitchen and sing songs with her cat walking back and forth on the counter, um, I, I can do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't sing like Mary Chapin Carpenter, of course, but I could... You know, I, I liked watching her, and I thought, well, gee, maybe I can, you know, invite people into my home and, and, and evoke the same kind of comfort. Fantastic. And we are going to get Dana and Mark in here in just a minute. But, Heather, first, tell us uh, about your memoirs. Uh, you've written Find the Good, If You Lived Here, I'd Know Your Name, and Take Good Care of the Garden and the Dogs, and then the most recent of Bears and Ballots. The titles do not really suggest that this is an ongoing memoir series, so tell us about how these collections came together. Uh, just kind of random. I, I don't know. I mean, the first one, um, it, you know, was written in, in 2005, and, and kind of I, I see it as my, my, my way of, um, you know, finding a home in, in Haines and um, starting a family and that story, but also through my, my work um, writing obituaries and at the time the duly noted column for the newspaper in Haines. And so there was um, the, the introduction almost into the town's history and, and in some ways Alaska history t- through that, through the obituaries I was writing, and I mi- mixed those up. Um, and then what happened um, to me was that, you know, my big life-changing event was going to be this book was going to be published and it was just this so exciting and wonderful and, and of course it is but just um, a couple of weeks really before garden uh, before if you lived here was published is when I was run over by a truck and so you know be careful what you wish for and so then the recovery from that um, became the story of, of uh, take good care of the garden and the dogs which actually the title of that 
um, were among my mother's last communications with us. She wrote a little note uh, before going into uh, one of her last surgeries that said, you know, take good care of the garden and the dogs. That's what she wanted us to do. And um, and then uh, Find the Good came about, again, through through working as an obituary writer and just some of the things that, that I'd... Um, I'd learned and, and some of the people that I admired. And then Bears and Ballots, I didn't even think would be a book. I was on the Hainsboro Assembly for three years from 2016 to 2019, and that was uh, quite an experience, <laughs> both uh, heartbreaking and inspirational. And um, there really probably would not have been a book about local politics except for the fact that it was in that uh, crucible of uh, the, the, the you know the Donald Trump election and then um, kind of the the whole rise of you know some real divisiveness in in the country that in some ways was mirrored in Haynes and um, I was part of a recall uh, attempt and because of that really it became a story without that kind of existential conflict I don't think anybody would be too interested about what was going on in the Haynesboro Assembly. Well, that's one of the the. Uh, enormous gifts that writers have is being able to take something that others might find, um, you know, like some small town thing that wouldn't resonate beyond that and being able to make that relevant to others' lives. That's uh, that's a gift. So thank you for setting us up with um, more understanding of your memoirs. And we're going to get Dana and Mark in here now. But I want to remind people that we are talking about summer reading and we have three of Alaska's best-selling authors on the line with us and in the studio, Mark Cameron, Dana Stabenow, and Heather Lendy, who is also the new State Writer Laureate. You can join our conversation if you have questions for the authors or you have book suggestions for summer reading. Statewide, the number is 1-800-478-8255, 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. Five five zero eight four two two. Okay, you, uh, Dana and Marky, both have new books out. Dana, tell us about Spoils of the Dead. This is the fifth in the Leon Campbell series, correct? Yep, that's the fifth one. Yeah. Um, uh, what I revisited the, I sent the Kate uh, Shugat characters down to uh, Liamstown in the 19th Kate Shugat novel, and I thought, well. These people are having interesting lives. What's going on next? And so I thought I'd revisit them. And in the way that city troopers do, um, they, you know, move around a lot. And um, so I moved him and moved both of them. And there's stuff that's not explained that went on that provoked this move that may or may not resurface in future books. And um, that's just about it. I, <laughs> I just finished the, I'm actually not writing in Alaska right now, Lori. I'm writing in, um, Egypt in, um, Alexandria in the time of Cleopatra 2000 years ago. So, um, uh, my head is not really in the Alaska game at the moment. You could say <laughs> I'm doing that. I just got the copy of it from the editor. So I'm gonna, <laughs> that's what I'm about to dive into as soon as I hang up on you guys. <laughs> well, uh, please don't do that for a little while yet, but <laughs> I said at the open that you have 29 novels combined in the Kate Shugat, uh, Liam it's Campbell. Actually, and actually 38. I, yeah, I was going to say, I think <laughs> I missed a few because I knew there were other books too. But first, before I ask about some of your earlier writing, tell us about the Silk and Song trilogy, which is uh, obviously very different from your Alaska series. 
it was my first attempt at historical fiction. If you don't include the forays into um, history in um, my other books, I mean, I've you know, in the Singing of the Dead and Though Not Dead in uh, the Kate Chugag series, I've um, definitely gone you know, written parallel um, narratives with in the past um, with the uh, present-day characters. But Silk and Song was a book I'd wanted to write forever. It's um, uh, the story of Marco Polo's granddaughter traveling the Silk Road west instead of east um, in the years between 1322 and 1327. And um, I, had, I, I got to research it. I went to China. I, it was, it was um, some could say, I mean, if you were mean-spirited, you might say that, you know, I mean, I just wanted to travel to China, so that's why I read this book. Um, but really, uh, I've read a lot of um uh, nonfiction set in that period, and I thought that there was some connective tissue to be made from events on one side of the earth at that time to the other, and so I wrote them. It was a trilogy. They were first published um, uh, independently of each other, and then um, I found a publisher in the UK who would uh, print an omnibus version, which is the most gorgeous book I will ever have my name spelled correctly on the cover of. If you take the cover off, there's actually a gilt dragon on the spine. It's so great. I love it. Yeah. The book's pretty good, too, but man, you, you got to see that dragon. You really do. <laughs> I definitely do, because I love dragons, so I'll have to check that out. Okay, well, thank you so much for that, Dana, and we'll talk more about your writing, as we will with Heather Lendy as we talk about summer reading and Alaska writers today. There are so many excellent Alaska writers. We're going to be talking about that. You can check out our website, too, alaskapublic.org. And on the Talk of Alaska post, we have links to writers groups here in Alaska, the Alaska Writers Guild, 49 Writers, and there's some other information there about the books of the authors that we have on today. So, Mark, you've just released the third novel in your Alaska-based series featuring Deputy U.S. Marshal Arliss Cutter. Tell us about it. It was just released about two weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah, right. Bone Rattle came out about two weeks ago. It's number three in the <clears throat> in the series. Like I, I identify with what Dana said. She's working on something to do with Egypt right now. So Bone Rattle was actually turned into my editor in 2019. So I'm, I've already finished book four. It's in the editorial process right now, and I'm working on a completely different series for the, for the Tom hard, Clancy estate. It? So talking about it, when you say, tell us about that book, I'm like, well, you see, it's not, what that book? didn't happen, that, that didn't happen. My, my wife always jokes that I, I, I hate the book that I'm done with. I'm really not too fond of the one I'm working on now, and I really like the one I'm thinking about working on later. Um, but it's based down in Juneau. The, one of the protagonists is a... Um, no, I, not that I, you know, was trying to get on this show this way, but one of the protagonists is a uh, public radio personality. It's Maury. the only way you got but, on. But, <laughs> the only uh, way. But um, <laughs> I try to, in, in the books, I, I retired from the United States Marshal Service, and, and part of my time there was uh, running the Alaska Fugitive Task Force. And so in the books, Arliss Cutter is a supervisory deputy marshal who runs the Alaska, the Alaska Fugitive Task Force, multi-agency task force, and he's got this really bright, vivacious um, Pacific Islander, Cook Islander um, partner named Lola Tariki. And they go around Alaska, and, and through their eyes, uh, he's, he's kind of a fish out of the water, a, a guy from Florida. When I came up here in 98, I was from Texas. It was, I always wanted to be here, but 
I had to learn a lot to learn. And, you know, folks like these two authors that have been here their whole lives, I'm, I will always be a Chichaco, even though I've been here 22 years, right? <laughs> so I am able to explore the things that I learned about as I was getting to know Alaska and still getting to know Alaska, the different cultures and, and uh, bone rattle takes us down to, to uh, Juneau and explores a little bit of politics and goes deep into the bowels of the earth. Does it ever? I've read the book. I'm I'm reading uh, Dana's right now, Spoils of the Dead, which is awesome too, as was Bone Rattle. Uh, both page turners, get them, get Heather's books. Alaskans that are listening, support your state authors and get out there and get some of these great books. Mark Arliss has sort of been around for a very long time before you were able to get him his own gig in a series. Tell us about how rejection sort of led to your success with your first series uh, that features Jericho Quinn and how that eventually led you to the Tom Clancy job and now kind of full circle your Arliss series. Yeah, so early on, I was still with the Marshall Service. I knew I wanted to write forever since I was a little boy. And I started by breaking in and writing Westerns. And so I um, had four Westerns to my name. I had a very uh, accomplished uh, agent in Robin Rue with Writer's House in New York. And she said one day, she called me on the phone and said, why don't you, break, why don't you start doing thrillers? Because we really don't, you know, Westerns, there's... They're good books, but there's not as many readers. And so she had me, and, I, and that's what I always wanted to write anyway. And so I moved into thrillers, and I wrote what I thought was a pretty doggone good book. And she trotted around New York, and nobody was interested. So I wrote another book that I thought was a pretty doggone. And, and remember, I had several books published, and it hit the USA Today list. And I'd gotten rejection letters for you know, 20, 20 years before those, so I thought I'd made it. Eventually, she tried to sell that second book and we got a few rejection letters and I got, and she actually forwarded me via email one that was a page and a half long from one of the big five, I think it was big six back then, publishers and it it was effusive in the, in the you know, complimenting my writing and you know, you got the right kind of job for this but you need to go all out and write something over the top, write James Bond, write Jason Bourne write a thriller that's, you know, commercially viable and we'll publish it. And then he ended that, and, and, and in that, I guess the the uh, backstory of that is that the crux of that plot was some native children, native teenagers that were running for their lives and a character that had a different name at the time, but he was what would become Arliss Cutter, um, basically helped them get out of their own situation, their own um issues and uh, threats. And so he ended up the letter, the rejection letter by saying, good writing, but who cares about Alaska and who cares about a bunch of Alaska native kids? And it really (laughs) bugged me. And and this was pre-Alaska politics, pre-Alaska, you know, entering the zeitgeist to folks in lower 48 where there were no Alaska Bush people or Life Below Zero or state trooper no end to reality shows and um so as sort of a a, in a fit of peak i went and wrote the first jericho quinn series that i thought our book that i thought would be a standalone and there's 10 of them and they pay the bills and that got me the eventual clancy gig by them reading the books and approaching me which allowed me to come back and resurrect those other two books and turn arliss out into the world 
Fantastic. We're, uh, I know that I'm really glad that Arliss has turned out into the world. Let's look at some of the suggestions we've gathered on other Alaskan authors and books. We've got a great list of suggestions on the Talk of Alaska Post, as I mentioned earlier, at our website, alaskapublic.org. And um, we would love to hear from you regarding your favorite Alaska authors. I, I know names that come to mind for me, Seth Kantner, Ernestine Hayes, Don Reardon, Tom Keziah, Lael Morgan, Mary Beth Holloman, John Straley. Nancy Lord, Stan Jones, these are just a few that come to mind quickly for me, but there are just an amazing uh, number of Alaska authors and also some uh, new publishing businesses that have started in Alaska. So check those out. I know Jeremy Pataki has a new publishing um, enterprise and he's going to be releasing a new book so I don't know if I should say who it's by because I'm not sure if that's public information yet so if Jeremy <laughs> wants to call in and tell us that's fine but I won't I won't uh, say anything in case I get in trouble with him for doing so but if you'd like to join our conversation you can call in at 1-800-478-8255 that's the number statewide 1-800-478-8255 if you're in Anchorage the local number is 550 Five five zero eight four two two, or you can write to us, email us at talk at alaskapublic.org, which we have an email from Barbara Ferris, who says she wants to recommend books by Alaska author Izzy Ballard. She says the books are mixed Alaska comedic mysteries with a four-star review from Romantic Times. And uh, some of the titles are Alaska Virgin Air, Temptation Alaska, Fearless in Alaska, The Alaska Girl and the Spy, and Enlightened. Thank you, Barbara Ferris, for sending in those suggestions. Um, Heather, I want to get back to you. You've written essays, columns, obituaries, and you have a blog. How do you use elements of these various types of writing to inform your books? Essays and columns are sort of, sort of memoir, but not obits. They're kind of almost like rough drafts, especially in my earlier books. I'd go take a look at them and then fill in the blanks or what was happening around that. You know, when you write a column, it's 700 words, and you have to sort of distill it down to one thing when even there might have been more happening there. And you also have to always, you know, kind of wrap it up in some way where in a, in a, in a book-length piece you don't you don't really do that necessarily so um and the same with um my blog i don't know it's just a way i guess to keep a conversation with with my my readers and um it helps me um to to sort of focus and and sometimes to remind myself that i you know give me some confidence like i might have something to say um because i think that's always the the, the hardest part for for what i do you know telling stories from Haynes is, you know, who cares? And and so um, having a blog and having that connection with people who who do care and want to know more um, is is really um, helpful to me. And I think that's why the relationship between the writer and the reader is is really critical. You know, having having people who who want to read what you're writing. And of course, there's so many different, as you pointed out. I mean, there's so many different Alaska writers or. And I, I don't even have enough time in my life now, I think, to read all of them. But they they appeal to different people, and I think so. The more the more voices that are out there, the better. And the more that that we in, in, encourage um, people to to write. And so something like a blog is so informal, and it's kind of done and gone. It's not really for publication. It it I think it it um, 
may help other people who think that they, they aren't good enough to communicate or they might not have something to say that, gee, I can do that. I, I can write a little something about what happened today and post a picture. And, and, and maybe then that will lead to something for them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a wonderful way to think about it, too, is kind of an encouragement to other folks to express what's going on in their lives. Heather, you're also credited with being a superwoman of sorts for single-handedly saving the Haynes bookstore early in the pandemic. Here's what owner Amy Kane had to say about that. I'm so grateful. I mean, Heather Lunday pretty much saved the bookstore for the summer. (laughs) And not just Heather, but her wonderful fans who are so sweet and kind and send lovely emails that include pictures sometimes or photos or stories about their life or they call and chat and talk about the time that they were in Haynes and I find all that really endearing. This kind of goes back to what you were talking about blogging and you know sort of like encouraging people that we all have something to say and you can do this too and and it sounds like those connections are quite deep with your readers um based on what Amy had to say. This is such a cool story. Tell us about how your books helped Amy make it through a lack of visitors during the pandemic. Well, I think Amy's being very generous. I don't think that my book saved the Haynes Bookstore. I think Amy <laughs> saved the Haynes Bookstore. And she's she's uh, was new to town, came uh, to Haynes from Sitka to, to, to sort of restart uh, the bookstore on Main Street. Um, it's a, a long institution in Haynes. Um, and and she arrived, you know, her grand opening, I think, was February, and then the pandemic hit in March. <laughs> so, I mean, we're all excited, and then, boom, doors shut, and nobody could go in. And so it, it was pretty much um, serendipity or providence that I had a new book coming out in, in June of, of 2020, and um, I couldn't go around on a book tour or sign copies of, you know, books in other places, but peop- I could sign them in Haynes, and we could mail them out if people wanted them. And so um, uh, Amy actually helped me a lot. <laughs> and so I, I feel like, gee, I'm getting this credit when she, she helped me by um, helping the people who wanted to buy my books get personalized copies. And then, of course, um, it's really the, the people who recognized that uh, having a, a, a small bookstore in, in a small town is important, and that the way, if you wanted to actually help somebody who had been impacted by the pandemic, one of the best things you could do is um, patronize their 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 business. And so, um, you know, I, that's kind of how it, it all it all rolled around. But um, it is definitely a great story, and uh, we're so glad that we could hear from Amy and glad that it was kind of a symbiotic relationship, helping each other out. We are going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk more with our authors today, our best-selling authors that are in the studio. We're discussing summer reading. We have Mark Cameron, Dana Stabenow, and Heather Lendy uh, with us today, and we will be back as Talk of Alaska continues statewide. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. How does the sale of a land parcel help support criminal justice reentry programs in Alaska? The Alaska Mental Health Trust Authority has a responsibility to generate revenue from its land assets and the resources they contain. The trust uses the revenue from its land to fund programs that directly impact the lives and circumstances of Alaskans with mental health conditions and disabilities, including criminal justice reentry programs. Learn more at alaskamentalhealthtrust.org. This message sponsored by the Alaska Mental Health Trust. 
Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We are talking about summer reading today and have some fantastic authors with us. There are many fantastic authors in Alaska, and three of them are with us today. Mark Cameron is in the studio with us. Dana Stabenow is on the phone from Homer, and Heather Lendy is by phone from Haynes. Mark lives in Eagle River and was able to join us in person today as we're able to finally allow one guest at a time in the studio. It's so nice to actually have people in here with me. It's been very lonely over the last (laughs) year or so of just being by myself in the studio. So you can join us if you'd like by calling in at 1-800-478-8255 if you have questions or comments or suggestions for reading or have a question for one of our authors today. 1-800-478-8255. In Anchorage, the local number is 550-8422. You can email us, talk at alaskapublic.org, as several people have now. Here's a note from Patrick who says, I have two Alaska books on my nightstand that I'm looking forward to reading. The reprint of Tom Kazaya's Wake of an Unseen Object and Willie Hensley's 50 Miles from Tomorrow. I've heard great things about both. And so thank you, Patrick, for that. Uh, Dan Dawson writes in and says, Carrie Eng, I'm not sure how to pronounce the last name. It's E-N-G-E. And the book is Crab Bait. So that's all the information that that was sent in. It's Ingi. It's Carrie Ingi. Ingi. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, she's <laughs> from uh, Petersburg. <laughs> All right, and Jeremy Pataki wrote in and said that uh, it's okay if I say that Tom Kazaya is the first author <laughs> of his new book publishing press based in McCarthy, Alaska. That is so fantastic. His first title that he's going to print will be Tom Kazaya's Cold Mountain Path, The Ghost Town Decades of McCarthy, Kennecott, Alaska. Ooh, it sounds fantastic. So uh, we'll have to get them on when the book comes out. That'll be a lot of fun, too. Dana, you wrote science fiction before you wrote the Kate Shugat series. Why did you make that shift? What was going on that you decided you were moving from science fiction to the novels that you write now? Uh, well, <laughs> for as a matter of exercise, I wrote a mystery um, in between the second and third um, uh, science fiction novels. And when I sold my first science fiction novels, my editor said, what else have you got in that endearing way that editors do? And you don't ever want the answer to that question to be, I don't have anything. So I scrambled around and I looked, for, looked back in my files and found this, you know, imaginatively titled Mystery file and resurrected it and um, looked at it and thought, well, that's not bad, and made a few changes and sent it off. And that's what became the first Kate Chugak novel, A Cold Day for Murder. <laughs> and you won an Edgar Award for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she says casually. Um, well, you know, and I mean, <laughs> one thing I want to, I would like to say, too, is to, to hear all of you talk about your writing, you know, like you just said, well, I looked at it, it wasn't too bad, changed a few things, sent it off, boom, she gets published. People, it's not that easy. <laughs> our, our friends here today are making it sound, as all professionals do, they make it sound so easy, but it is not. Um, and so for those of you out there who are working on maybe your first book and you're like, hey, this is not easy, it's hard. Yeah, it is. And it was hard for them, too. They're, you know, they've just been doing it for many years. And so it's, uh, you know, it gets a little easier, but it's still a lot of work and and it's hard. 
Dana, Heather's author assistance to the Haynes Bookstore is a great kind of story of a reverse success. Usually it's authors that are dependent on local bookstores featuring their books so they can make sales, not the stores relying on the authors to keep the lights on. How important have independent bookstores been for your career? It's entirely symbiotic. Um, I, I actually made this decision earlier on. When I could finally make that kind of a decision and make it stick, you know, say to my publisher, this is what I'm going to do. Um, the very, one of the very first decisions I made was I will only go to independent bookstores. I won't go to any of the chain stores. And I have to say, they didn't fight me on it. So, uh, you know, an independent bookstore will buy like 25 copies of your book, and the sales of them are utterly dependent on you showing up to sign them for them and possibly even have an, you know, have an event to get people in the store. Because when they're in the store, they don't only buy your books, you know, they're going to go out, they're going to buy your book and maybe two or three others. And that's the margin um, that, you know, puts them over the top, that lets them pay their folks, that lets them pay the rent, that lets them stay in business. We wouldn't exist without them. They're essential. I'd like to put in a plug for the Homer Bookstore, my own hometown bookstore, um, one of the truly great bookstores in Alaska. And um, I do everything I can. I, you know, when I write about, I always include links to their store, buy links to their store, um, try to send traffic there to their website as often as I can. Um, they're integral to our existence. It's, it's, we depend upon them every bit as much as they depend upon us. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and of course, in Anchorage, there's some of the, the big chains, but we also have great independent bookstores, too. Tidal Wave and the Writer's Block are two that come to mind immediately. Uh, mm-hmm. Fantastic local venues that feature a lot of local authors and really help them out. Uh, we want to go to the phones for a moment now. Jeremy Pataki is on the line with us to tell us more about his new press. Jeremy, hello. Hi, Lori. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks so much for the shout-out earlier and the invite to call. Um, Definitely happy to announce that Tom Kazaya will be publishing another book soon with a nice local new Alaska Press. And tell us the name of the press, because I was afraid to try the name. It's called Porphyry Press. Porphyry. P-O-R-P-H-Y-R-Y. A little bit of a mouthful, I know. (laughs) That's why I didn't dare try it. And and so, Jeremy, are you up and running now? Um, are you taking submissions from Alaska authors, or how? What should people know about your new press? We're just up and running, um, working hard right now to get that first title out, um, which will be "Cold Mountain Pass: The Ghost Town Decades McCarthy Kennecott Alaska" by Sam Kazaya. Um, expecting that to be published uh, this fall, and. Um, very soon, uh, we're planning to reveal the cover and start accepting pre-orders for that so folks can follow along on social media or go to our website and sign up for the newsletter in order to be in the loop on that. We are um, kind of actively accepting uh, submissions, and they actually have been coming in. Um, I will say that this is a small micro press that will probably initially only publish, you know, one to three books per year at first. Um, and so um, a lot of the work I imagine publishing in the future probably will be solicited, et cetera, but um, anyone that wants to talk should get in touch. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for calling in. And um, as you get close to the publication of the first book, let's stay in touch and we'll get you and Tom on to talk about it later this fall. 
That would be great. Thanks so much. And Heather, congrats. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. You know, it was so great that Jeremy called in. Thanks for that. And, and it's awesome that there's a new press starting in Alaska. But, you know, all three of you authors that are on with us today have worked hard and have traditional publishers. What are your thoughts about what used to be called vanity publishing, the ability for anyone to, um, you know, publish their own book? Now it's so much easier. Do you think, has it helped bring more good writers to the public or has it muddied the waters for those who work hard on their craft? And I'm not saying that there aren't some good independent authors. Certainly there are. But while there's also a a plethora of super bad books out there, very poorly edited, if edited at all, bad spelling. Mark, start us off here. Do you think, does it diminish publishing somehow or make it harder for good work to stand out when everybody and their uncle can throw a book up online now? Yeah, that's a a touchy subject. I have many friends that that are independently published that are incredible writers. Part of the part of the issue I think is just sheer mass. It's just being noticed, but good work comes to the top, it rises to the top. And so my my agent Robin Rue actually told me a couple of years ago, I asked her that question, how would a young new not necessarily young, but new writer break into the business because it's really hard to get noticed nowadays because there's so many books out there in traditional publishing or whatever, and find that audience. And so, and, and she said, if I was giving advice to a, a new writer, it would be go the independent route in the beginning. You know, continue to, to send your queries in. And if you, if you want to go traditional, not everybody wants to go that quote-unquote traditional route. Um, I, I don't think that I'm smart enough marketing-wise to do it any other way and, and be relatively successful. But... She said, go the independent route, whether it's Kindle Direct Publishing or, or whatever, an independent press, and build your audience. Become part of that. Become what, what they really want to see, what publishers really want to see is a brand. Um, a, and I'm talking about commercial publishing here, not, not uh, more literary stuff. But they want to see a brand and that they can make money with. And mm-hmm. independent publishing can help people do that. But it is difficult, and because the field is so large with writers, which is a good thing. There's a lot to choose from for readers, but it also has the propensity to sort of do away with the gatekeepers. Yeah, exactly. People can go direct, but uh, as you noted, it's all about the marketing and how you can make yourself known about and heard uh, in the wide selection that's out there. Uh, by email, we heard from Patrick, who says another great bookstore is River City Books in Soldatna. So thanks for calling in about that, Patrick. It's good to know about other independent books. We are going to go back to the phone lines for a moment. Nancy is in is also in Homer, as is Heather, or, or as is Dana, excuse me. So hi, Nancy. Oh, hi, Lori. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make a shout out. Well, first, I wanted to congratulate Heather. It's great to have a new state writer. Um, I want to make a shout out to Boreal Books, which is a, um, a literary publisher. It's an imprint of Red Hen Press, and it's edited by uh, Peggy Shoemaker from Fairbanks, and it is um, uh, uh, specializes in Alaskan books. And I just wanted to mention three of my favorite recent titles, 
Uh, one is uh, Stellar's Orchid by Thomas McGuire, and it's a um, historical novel uh, set in the Schumigans in mostly the 1920s. Really excellent. Uh, Mary Oden, uh, her essay collection is called uh, Mostly Water. Uh, just really, really excellent. And um, then a poetry collection, because let's not forget poetry, um, uh, Marie Tozier's Open the Dark. So um, thank you for uh, for doing this program, and uh, I hope everyone rushes out to their uh, independent bookstores. Me Bye. too. Thank you so much for the call, Nancy. It's uh... oh, I'm, uh, Can I just say that I'm so glad that Nancy um, called in w- with those titles. Those are three that I have on, on my list to make sure I would, I would tell, tell you about, because Tom McGuire lives in Haynes. And um, Stellar's Orchid is a, is a great book. And Tom's daughter, Rosemary McGuire, um, uh, also grew up here, and she has a, um, a brand-new um, collection of essays that's out uh, Right now, let's see, i got it right in front of me. It's called uh, Cold Latitudes, and um, that's through the University of Alaska Press. But anyway, and, and Marie Tozier, uh, I got to see her um, through, I think it was a 49 Writers event, and she's a wonderful poet, so thank you. Yes, thanks so much for the call. We also have a, a recommendation by email from Tom, who says, I highly, I highly recommend Fairbanks author John Hewitt, for people interested in hunting and fishing, often with a humorous, down-to-earth bent. The writing is also very high quality. His latest collection of great stories is All Great Retrievers Are Temperamental, <laughs> a long time. Uh, and his son is a longtime Alaskan uh, journalist, Tom Hewitt, who is an editor at the Anchorage Daily News. So thanks, Tom, for uh, writing in with that suggestion. Also, Debbie Edwardson writes in, I would like to recommend Inupiaq author Nazaruk Rainey Hobson. She has a story in a series published by Candlewick called Rural Voices and a novel, Eagle Drums, coming out in 2022 from Roaring Brook. So uh, there's, as we mentioned earlier, there's so many great Alaska authors and a lot of great books out there. And Lori, may I make a re- Lori, this is Dana. May I make a rec- make a recommendation before? I know we're coming up on the end, so sure, okay, go ahead. We, yep. you okay. can jump in there, and then we'll take a quick break. Thank you, thank you so much. Um, I'd like to recommend um, Catherine Gottlieb's biography, "His Hand Upon Me: uh, The True Story of an Alaska Native and Her Fight to End Abuse." It's a tough read, but a necessary one. Extremely well written. Um, "His Hand Upon Me" by Catherine Gottlieb. All right. Yeah, I'm so glad that you got that in there. Um, I uh, knew that that book was just out, and I'm so happy that you brought the title to us. And and again, there are other links at our website, alaskapublic.org. Look for the Talk of Alaska post and find links to the author's books that we have on with us today, some of the writing groups in Alaska, and some other information. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more calls, more questions about summer reading as Talk of Alaska continues. Talk of Alaska is brought to you in part by your local public radio station. Reading colors your world. This summer, help the children in your life develop lifelong habits and a love of reading by signing up for your local library's summer reading program. They'll stay engaged with literacy and learning activities, track their progress all summer long, and can even earn prizes. Visit your local library's website for more information. This message sponsored by the Alaska Library Network.
Welcome back to Talk of Alaska. We don't have much time left. Darn it. We should have went two hours today because I still have a ton of questions. So um, I have questions for all of you, but um, Mark, it, it kind of seems to me you, you wrote Jericho Quinn novels, then started the Tom Clancy series. Not a bad gig for sure. <laughs> Not at but all. the Arliss Cutter book really seems to me to be sort of the real Mark Cameron voice. Arliss is a deputy U.S. Marshal, something you know quite a bit about. How much does Arliss reflect you and past assignments that you were on? Oh, I'd say they're they're certainly not autobiographical, but they, if I was to pick any book that I've written, Stone Cross, the one before Bone Rattle, has the most of me in it. It's set out in the Cuscoquim and sort of some of the little spats I've been in and, you know, physical altercations and investigations and some of the marvelous people I've met. And then, so all the all the cutters have a lot to do with my um, adventures, if you will, but there, I was not nearly as cool as, as Arliss, certainly. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I think that's the beauty of being a... I don't believe that for a moment. That's the beauty of being a, a writer. You know, all, of us, all of us have had the experience where we get in a debate with somebody or a conversation and we there's just, we can't come up with the right thing to say and when we you know walk away or get on the elevator, then we think of it right as the door's closing. Well, as a writer... During those edits and rewrite times, our characters can, you know, have witty banter because we get to write their banter over and over again. So, yeah. yeah. But, I, but I, I would say I, I put a, pour a lot of myself into that. So, and and I would I want to point out something. This is completely unsolicited, but we're talking about Alaska writers here, and I've read your book, Lori, and, and they're uh, <laughs> you they're and really, five no, other no, people. No, no, they're really Mark. they're they're really great. Zilla, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm very interested in in. Um, reading more about Zilla. So there, well, I've said it. Thank don't, you. Don't no, I'm embarrassed, but thank you so much. Uh, I, I'm much better at being a hermit and just kind of <laughs> holding up and writing than I am letting anybody know about it. So <laughs> thank you for that. Dana, I want to get back to you. Um, when did you decide that Liam Campbell wanted his own series? Um, did he get an ego somewhere <laughs> along the line? Or how did that come about? Was it a reader well, suggestion? I, or did you find that you just wanted to go no. in a new direction? No, it was an editor's suggestion. She said, when are you going to write me that book about an Alaska State Trooper? Oh. Yeah, and I, you know, that's the Liam Campbell novel, novels were born. Well, that is fantastic. Sorry, that's really prosaic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to work on that story a little bit there, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, um, it, it's an awesome series, and uh, I encourage folks to go look for those books. Also, we had an email suggestion. I'm so happy that Cheryl wrote in about Sitka writer Brendan Jones, The Alaskan Laundry. It is a great book. Uh, I read it a few years ago. Really uh, a excellent story. And Cheryl also says she's grateful to Old Harbor Books. It's a local bookstore in Sitka, and it is a really cool bookstore. I've been there. I love bookstores, and so whenever I'm visiting somewhere, I always try to stop by and, and check them out. Heather, talk a, I'm sorry. Go ahead. The Smell of Other People's Houses by Bonnie Sue Hitchcock. Yes. <laughs> also an excellent book. Bonnie Sue, good friend, and it is just a beautiful book, young adult novel, really well written, also Alaska-based, as is Bonnie Sue. We could, we could spend the whole hour just shouting out titles and author That's names. Right. I know. That's right. It's I'm, true. I'm waiting. I'm ready just to start looping. Yeah. <laughs> 
But you know, Heather, I wanted to talk uh, about the the delicate nature of writing memoirs when you live in a small town. I grew up in a tiny village, and I know that everybody knew more about what was going on in my life than I did most of the time. I read Truman Capote's books in past years, and he was really given the cold shoulder by friends when he wrote about them in his book, Answered Prayers. And it really, he was surprised by it. It really hurt him. He didn't expect that reaction. Do you ever have uncomfortable conversations with locals, or do you edit out any harsh sentiments if there are any before it actually gets published? Um, it, it's kind of hard to tell. Uh, <laughs> I think um, I, I I think it's okay, um, but I'm certainly not like uh, uh, I'm not like a, uh, a celebrated author in Haynes or anything. So um, uh, there's that. Uh, but at the same time, um, I, I think I'm very respectful in in the way I I write. I'm aware that everybody who's in my stories can read them. Um, I never think that they won't. You know, um, and and I think too there is the as 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 Mark and, and Dana were both talking about. There's kind of a time lag um, in in publishing where a lot of the stories that appear you know in my books are several years old, and that's past the immediacy of it. And I and and whatever issues have been resolved, you know, by the by the time it's published, usually. So there's that. Um, and I guess, you know, part of me just feels like as, as a writer living in a place, you, you should be able to tell a story of, of, of life as you see it. And, and my life in a, in a community and the way I interact with people, I think, is, uh, is, is something good we're sharing. And I think also, you know, really, um, all of my stories come from a place of love you know I, I love Haynes and I, I I love the people in it even though you know it can be difficult it's like a sometimes like a large dysfunctional family and and um, that's where my stories come from and I think it's okay to write about that hmm. uh, you you just threaded that needle very carefully and so well and you're so right in that characterization because that's how it felt when I was growing up, too, that we were just a large dysfunctional family in this small village of 199 people. Let's go to the phones for just a moment. Lucas is in Palmer. Hi, Lucas. Hi there, Lori. Hey, um, thanks so much for highlighting some of Alaska's wonderful authors. I I just wanted to um, give a shout out to Adrienne Strickland, my wife, who has a novel launching today through Macmillan called In the Ravenous Stark. It's a young adult novel. <clears throat> it's uh, the one-liner is a pansexual blood mage reluctantly teams up with an undead spirit to start a rebellion among the living and the dead. Woo! Highly recommended read. I'm, I'm in my mid-30s, and it's not my typical genre, young adult, but um, highly recommended. Oh, fantastic. Thanks for Tell calling, Lucas. Congratulations. Yes. No kidding. No congratulations, kidding. and what an exciting day for you and your wife. So good luck with it, and um, we'll have to keep an eye on it and see how it go, how it does. Thanks for the call, Lucas. We only have a couple minutes left. 
And I, I wanted to get back quickly, Dana and Mark, to you. Dana, in Spoils of the Dead, something bad happens within the first three pages. And Mark, in Bone Rattle, it's 11 pages, but you kind of know that something bad is going to be happening much sooner than that. So Dana, start off, have you had to sort of change how you write as far as bringing dramatic action much quicker to the page to keep readers engaged and in, in going? Do you, do you find that things have to happen faster now than when you first started writing? Well, you always want to grab grab the reader's interest, you know, out of the gate. I mean, otherwise, why are they going to turn the page sure. if you don't? Um, I don't always begin with a death, but I frequently do. When you write crime fiction, that's what it's all about. Who, you know, who died, why, and who did it? And will there or won't they be brought to justice? That's, you know, basically your thumbnail sketch of crime fiction right there. Mm-hmm. So it's a natural pace, place to begin. It's also an expected place for you to begin on the part of um, the reader. Absolutely. Uh, I love that line, I don't always start with the death. I wrote um, several short stories for Boys Life magazine, which is, you know, caters to 13, 15-year-old boys and, and really young people, boys and girls read it. But uh, I came to the conclusion early on, and these are very short stories, like twelve to 1,500 words, that, and the, the editor and I discussed it. And basically, if you don't start the story with something about death or poop, then nobody's going to read it at all. <laughs> Those are the two requirements, one or the other, like or sometimes both. Like table and all the kids were home. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much it always went around that way. That's right. My, my gonna, work I'm, and I'm what gonna, they wanted I'm to gonna talk print about. Out, I'm going to print out death or poop and <laughs> put it on top of your computer screen. It's your inspirational inspire. words for That's your right. next series of books. Uh, and thanks so much to our guests, but I wanted to get uh, quickly in here one last email. New novel by Anchorage author and Arctic Entries host Aaron Forbes, but it also says Alina, so I'm not sure if it's Aaron or Alina. Pluto Cove, though, is the name of the book. It's a timely story of survival and family and available for download on Amazon. Thanks for that email. And thanks so much to my guests today. So much fun to have Mark Cameron in the studio, Dana Stabenow on the phone by from Homer, and Heather Lendy, the new writer laureate, on the phone from Congratulations again. Yay! Yay! (laughs) So thanks so much, all three of you, and keep writing because we need it. Next week on Talk of Alaska, what can you do safely once you're vaccinated and when should you still wear a mask? We'll discuss the state's Roll Up Your Sleeves summer campaign to get more Alaskans vaccinated and discuss the outlook for summer and fall on the next Talk of Alaska. Our engineering team today, Dave Emmerts and Tobin Shelby, our producer, Adlin Baxter, and on the phones, Abby Collins. Thanks for listening. I'm Lori Townsend. We'll be back next week. Talk of Alaska is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. Views expressed are those of the participants and not necessarily those of Alaska Public Media, this station, or its underwriters. Today's program is available online at alaskapublic.org. This is Alaska Public Media. Alaska Public Media.